I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, this is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And if you love TV and movies like I do, you need to subscribe to the Watch Less podcast with Callan Frazier. Welcome back to Watch Less, Complex's podcast about movie and TV culture. As always, it's Cal, Deputy Editor of Complex's Pop Culture Channel, the homie Frazier Tharp, Summer Man's in the building. You doing all right, man? Yes, sir. We out here. Yeah. I mean, it's officially summer, so it's one thing to, to smile about. This week on the pod, got a, got a really dope conversation with a really dope guest. Big episode. I say it later on, but I feel like he, he is one of the more recognizable faces that we've had on the podcast. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. This man was, well, this man was everywhere for a good, like, five-year stretch at least, which yes, a yeah. lot of people don't get. Like, you can get one or two movies. You don't get as ubiquitous as Joseph Gordon-Levitt was throughout those late aughts, early 2010s. Facts. I mean, he, he, he was Robin. He was Robin. He was he he. Hands is in Inception. Like like if there's a if there's a Rushmore for some people in terms of like movies, especially within the last like you know ten fifteen years, he's in a couple of them for some people for some people. So it was dope to have him on the pod. He's talking about his new film Seven Five Zero Zero, which is streaming now on Amazon Prime. It's a gripping a gripping film. It was more uh, is more intense than uh, I anticipated. Definitely. But I mean, you know, as he gets into an interview, it's a sort of comeback for him. You know, he took a couple of years off. He had kids, had a family, but yeah. in Hollywood, that's kind of like an eternity. And I had seen people say, oh, what happened to that guy? Yeah. Which, you know, it's not disrespect or shock. It's just kind of how it goes once the audience is used to seeing you and then they stop seeing you. It's like, yeah, it's out of sight, out of mind. It's so like I think the curse of being a face in Hollywood. Right, right, right. So I think he and, you know, that you put it great, being a face in Hollywood. So what does he come back with? A movie that is pretty much just his face. Yeah. And and, 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 and those acting chops. He's acting acting the fuck out of that film. Um, exactly. He's not just talking about that, though. He's talking about his company, Hit Record, which is doing a lot in terms of collaboration, but in the form of, like, speaking on what's going on outside in people's communities it's 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 a really for for what's going on in the world today it's a really intriguing project to spearhead and continue to to nurture especially when you talk about nurturing what could potentially be the voices and filmmakers of tomorrow talks a little bit about his uh, apple tv series mr corman which i believe he said he was directing and starring in that was writing and writing he was I, i figured that but i wasn't sure he was working on that as the, the quarantine hit. So he talks a little bit about his process there and, 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 and that project taking on a bear like that compared to, uh, you know, just being the talent or an actor in a much larger scale, uh, film series. Uh, we do again, mentioned earlier, we do get into the concept of if we could get a Robin, 
film would would is is Joseph Gordon Levitt trying to take on the the role of Robin? Would you want to like see a that? Nightwing? That would be ill. He'd be I could like see a Nightwing. It. I think, especially in a, a Christopher Nolan world, like he can't do the red tights, like yeah, Boy Wonder Robin. It would have to be kind of grown up ish, badass Robin. Yeah, not Logan though. No, we're we're not going that far. Not no. yet. Talks a little bit about directing his film Don John, but he also gets into some future acting projects that he has, like Project Power with Dominic Fishback and Jamie Foxx. I mean, it's a, a self-described popcorn film that'll be coming out relatively soon. Hell, with the way things are going on right now, maybe some of us need just a quick one thirty action comedy. We get into some serious talk, uh, some serious actually, you know, kudos to him for. Uh, you know, the, the, the themes and the concepts he brings up during some of our talks about racism within the world of Hollywood, as well as outside of the world and, and a lot of the conversations that are coming up now because of, again, what's been going on in the world over the last couple of months, but really the last couple of years, the last couple of decades and centuries. You know, we'll get into all of that with Joseph Gordon-Levitt after a very quick break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, welcome back to Watch Less. We're in an era of upper echelon, top tier stars. I feel like the face that's gracing this week's podcast is one of the more recognizable than we've had as of late. No shout, no disrespect to anybody we've had on. Always great guests. <laughs> but Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I know for, for myself especially, but I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast, they've probably grown up seeing this man in a number of TV shows and films um, before we uh, got on with him. We were talking about him being a third rock from the sun. I remember him from Angels in the Outfield, but also films like Halloween H2O, classics like Inception. He's, he's been in and you know directed a lot of projects. The latest project is out June 19th on Amazon Prime, 7,500. It's an interesting one talking about this man as you know the face because throughout this film, he basically is one of the only faces you see throughout this feature film. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, thank you for gracing the Watchlist podcast. Oh, man, thanks for having me. That was such a sweet intro. No problem. Before, before we get into anything, though, another thing we were talking about before we got you on the line, do you remember about 16, 17 years ago going to an open mic night at Columbia University and doing Purple Rain? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Ray, Ray used to run the, those open mic nights, I remember. Were you, were you friends with Ray? No, our, our producer, Taliba, actually went to Columbia and remembers seeing you wow. at, at, her, at her school that night. Yeah, is, <laughs> is Purple Rain a song that you perform a lot, a lot at like karaoke and things like that? Or what, what's up with that song collection? Maybe, maybe. It's, only, <laughs> it's only four chords. It's kind of easy to play. <laughs> well, you, you, sang and, you, you, sang, you sang and played the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. 
man of it. it's, it's an emotional song you know <laughs> that's what i'm gonna say like you know that that's a big record and i mean it's taken on a bigger meaning now um with the passing of prince but like i'm assuming that that's that song's had like a huge impact on your life uh, it's had an impact on everybody's life it's just one of those songs that impacted the world and the human race but uh, <laughs> no one has ever asked me about that night before that's really funny i'm like i'm half embarrassed but uh, <laughs> 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 So I guess getting into it, how have you been holding up during this whole, uh, you know, quarantine isolation situation? Uh, you know, mostly just trying to focus on gratitude. Um, mm-hmm. I'm lucky I get to, I have a place here I can be. I get to work from home. So many people are going through real, real struggles and um, a lot of respect for everyone out there who's, you know, continuing to work and keeping the world turning around and, and now is, I mean, these last few weeks, it, it, with the pandemic really continuing to rage, it's it, it's so confusing because I'm so I'm so proud of everybody that's out, you know, protesting and 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 at the same time I'm scared that people are going to get sick and um, so it the you know you ask about the pandemic and it's it continues to just be one of those things like I don't know what's going to happen or, or sometimes how to feel about it, but. That's why, again, I, I try to just return to, to feeling grateful that I'm healthy and, and that the people in my life are healthy and just really, really hoping that as many people as possible can stay healthy. Yeah. How's this period been for your productivity? Like, are you finding it at least uh, conducive to create more? I've been working a lot. I've been staying creative during, I mean, like, again, I'm lucky. I have like a, a room like this where I can where I can do that. And for me, being creative is oftentimes kind of difficult when I'm all alone. And so mm-hmm. that poses some challenges in, in the middle of, of, of like isolation during a pandemic. But the other side of that is like, I, I've, I do this thing called hit record, which is this project I started years ago with my brother, um, which is all about creative collaboration in an online setting. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of art and, and creativity online, people are sort of posting things that they make on their own, but on hit record, it's all about people making things together and finding collaborators, starting projects, contributing to each other's projects, et cetera. And so I've been getting to focus a lot on that, been, been collaborating with lots of people on all kinds of different little short films and stories and music and things like that. And then meanwhile, sort of plotting a return back to, you know, I was in the middle of shooting a, a show actually, a, a show called Mr. Corman that mm-hmm. I'm writing and directing and acting in that'll be out next year on Apple. We were in the middle of shooting that when the pandemic hit, and so that shut down for the time being. But we've been sort of figuring out what'll it look like to to get back to work, and um, so yeah, I've I've been able to kind of just keep keep going with work, and and again, I consider myself really fortunate in in that regard because uh, a lot of people's lives were a lot more disrupted. Definitely, it was um, you mentioned being you know a writer, director, and star in this, this, this series. I believe it's an Apple TV series. Yeah, that's right. Mr. Corman. Um, is, is that a, how much of a challenge is that for you now compared to, you know, you've done directing, you've done executive producing and acting in the past. Was it different now with the whole series like this? I'm really enjoying the series format. I haven't been a part of a series since you mentioned Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah, yeah. Last time I was, I was in like a, an episodic storytelling show and i really love it because when you when you make a movie a movie really just should have one idea basically Mm -hmm. and everything else i mean you can have of course multiple things going on but it should all ideally kind of tie into one you're saying one thing Mm -hmm. and on a series though 
you can you can say you can say more things. You don't have to set up a whole movie just to say something. You'd be like, yeah. all right, I said this with this episode. This episode could be about another thing, and then I have this idea and this idea, and that's that's really inspiring to to get to you know have <laughs> frankly just more than one idea and tell more than one story um, in in the in the context of a show. So I'm I'm loving it so far. And how do you feel like you've grown as a director since you know the days of coming out with Don John and everything? Oh wow, good question. Uh, yeah, how how have I? I I think you know, I think when I when I was a younger man, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I was I was probably less collaborative. Okay. I I wanted Don John was my first time writing and directing a, a movie, and I I acted in so many things. I was just itching to have that control, because when you're an actor, you don't have that control. When you're an actor, you're there to help the filmmaker tell their story, whatever that story may be. And you're there to kind of provide kind of the ingredients for them to then cook a meal. And because they, they take all the, all the different stuff you shot and, and they, they edit it together. And so much of the movie really comes together in that editing process. And so, uh, so directing my first thing, I think I was just so focused on autonomy on being like, this is going to, I'm just going to tell my story. I'm going to like do it exactly how it comes to me. And that like, I would, I would probably be biased in favor of ideas of my own just cause they were my own. Cause mm -hmm. I just was so excited about getting to put my own ideas. Into it. And now I've probably chilled out a little bit. I'm, probably, <laughs> I'm more ready to, to like really see the value and like, great. My ideas can be good. My ideas aren't necessarily good. Lots mm -hmm. of other people's ideas can be good. And the best thing for, the story we're telling is to collaborate. That makes sense. I was wondering, you know, you talk, you mentioned earlier about, you know, not being in TV, you know, for a while, it's, you know, third rocket hasn't been on for a bit, but I was wondering just in terms of like your decisions as an actor in general, because I know a lot of people, I re I, I mentioned your face being so recognizable because dark Knight rises, things like there's these things that, you know, are readily, you know, reckon you're, you're recognized for readily, but uh, it seems, you know, with films like 7,500 and some of the other choices you've made, they've, were these purposefully like, I'm going to take something that's not going to be so in the mainstream, so in the limelight to kind of just work on yourself as a, as an actor, work on that side of the craft? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, so I just took a couple years off acting and I had mm -hmm. kids. I'm a dad now. Mm -hmm. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I knew that I wanted my first thing back to just be focused on finding a, a creative challenge. Cause look, honestly, are there, there are voices in my head going like, oh, you took time off. That can be dangerous. Hollywood's all about momentum. You got to this, you got to that. And uh, I did my best to just silence those voices and say like, no, what I really love and what I'm so grateful to get to do is, is, is the art of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna, I'm, the first choice I'm going to make is just going to be about satisfying that artist in me. And this, this movie that's about to come out, June 18th, by the way, it is. June 18th, I'm sorry. Uh, it was, it was going to be June 19th and they moved it. Okay. Um, because, because of Juneteenth. Of uh, course. Mm -hmm. This movie that's going to come out June 18th, it's called 7500. Mm -hmm. And it was truly one of the most unique creative challenges I've, I've ever experienced. And I've, I've, like you said, I've been doing this a long time, but um, this movie is really shot very differently than a conventional movie. Uh, and it's all geared towards the actors being able to fully immerse themselves 
in the reality of the story and the character. And so a lot of what you normally do when you're, when you're shooting this, this production didn't do like mm. normally you have a script, you shoot, you know, a few pages from that script and then you, you take that scene and you do it over and over and over and over again. And then they change the camera angle and you do it again over and over and over and over again. And you have to stand on a little piece of tape on the floor so that the lights hit you right and the camera hits you right. And ultimately you're, you're really quite beholden to a lot of technical specifics. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you're doing your best to <laughs> be authentic and, and, and kind of immerse yourself in the character, but it's a balancing act. Mm -hmm. Whereas on this movie, the script was just really, there was a script, but the director was like, the script is a starting point. You don't have to stick to the script. Just sure. go off it. And you wouldn't stand on Mark. There was no piece of tape on the floor mm -hmm. because they, they just lit the whole entire place mm -hmm. and the camera was just in, uh, was just handheld the whole time. Oh, wow. So you didn't have to stand in any particular place. You didn't have to say any particular thing. You didn't have to do anything. Mm. And the director was just say, okay, we're going to just leave the camera rolling now for the next 45 minutes mm. and you just be. Wow. And that is a completely different approach to acting than anything I've ever done. I bet. It was fascinating. It was really intense, really challenging because we're, it's, it's an extreme story, but it was, it was really rewarding. Would, would, would you say it was, it was freeing in a sense or did you not get that from, from, from that? Yeah. Experience? Freeing, I think actually would be a good word because, mm. uh, you know, like uh, in a traditional film set, you're, you're not exactly free. You're doing your best to feel free, mm -hmm. but you have to stay within certain guardrails so that they can technically make the movie. Mm -hmm. And and this director was all about sort of reassembling or disassembling those guardrails mm -hmm. so that the actors could be more free. What struck me about it really is that it's essentially almost a one-man play for a majority of it at least. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really true. It's it's got that claustrophobic feeling to it of just a single person in a confined space and then there are other people that end up in the confined space and mm -hmm. and i think that claustrophobic feeling is, is actually really important and not just for the intensity of the movie but for the theme of what the story is about um, mm -hmm. i i think in a lot of ways it serves as a metaphor for the world that i think the world is getting smaller mm -hmm. and we're all i think as a human race there can be feelings of claustrophobia mm -hmm. when the world is getting smaller but ultimately we only have this one place to live we're all we're all on the same planet and we can't go anywhere else just like the characters in this story they're all in this little cockpit they're on a plane they can't go anywhere else mm -hmm. and ultimately they have to overcome kind of the the, the prejudices the, the prejudices that they're bringing to each other and the the sort of way that they're dehumanizing each other and and find some kind of um human commonality and and figure out how to how to live together in that moment and and and, and so I, I do think that there's something there's something there's something there that's kind of symbolic for the way the whole world is working right now and so yeah that that claustrophobic feeling of of the the one man show that you're talking about i think is to me is speaking to those larger themes now, you mentioned being in your own head about the idea of, of coming back and getting back into the swing of things. So, you know, it has me wondering with how much the the industry has changed in the years that you took off, would you ever consider, you know, getting back to like a big scale Dark Knight Rises type movie or have you kind of moved on from that as an artist? 
Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I like all kinds of movies. And in fact, the next movie I'm going to be in comes out in just a few months. And it is a big action movie. You know, it's, it's very different than, than 7500 that's coming out now. It's, um, it's me and Jamie Foxx and another young, wonderful actress named Dominique Fishback. And it's in New Orleans and like the big easy. It's the, if 7500 is one of the hardest movies I ever shot, this has got to be one of the easiest ones. It was just a blast. It's mm. really easy and fun to watch. It's a popcorn movie. It's a big, mm. fun action popcorn movie. You know, I'm a fan of both. I like challenging art movies. I like easy popcorn movies. I, I like the variety. No, yeah. I think you, you need them. I, think you, you, I don't think you can only sustain a, a, a good film diet with just top yeah. tier prestige i think you have to mix it up a little bit for every inception i think you need i don't want to say an angels in the outfield but something like a john <laughs> wick or something something to kind of you know just like take it down a couple of notches and kind of just you know get lost yeah in project power is, is the movie i'm talking about You'll see okay there movie. you go there you go it that. it's just a fun it's a, it's a bag of popcorn but what i've always appreciated too about your choices is that even you know the big popcorn movies like inception and looper were like these really dope original takes on the blockbuster form and moving that that form forward that that's really nice of you thank you yeah what, what can i say i'm flattered i don't know what to say other than thank you it's so nice <laughs> <laughs> I After mean, speaking of, of one of those two, uh, we were talking about Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're aware, there's still a like a subset of hardcore Christopher Nolan fans that want to see you come back and do like a Robin right, Batman right, yeah. movie. Yeah, people bring that up to me. They still do. You know, the movies, the movies <laughs> from 2012. What I always say is, I I really don't think it, it was ever meant that way. And and uh, you know, nowadays we've come to think of movies as sort of episodic, especially superhero movies, because mm-hmm. Marvel has done such a good job at making movies into sort of an episodic series. Mm-hmm. But I think the Dark Knight trilogy is a trilogy. It has a beginning, middle, and end. And that ending where the character I played goes into, spoiler, I guess, goes into <laughs> the, 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 the Batcave, is a, it's a brilliant ending. If you watch all three of those movies, mm-hmm. there are seeds planted for that exact idea throughout the trilogy the idea that this this character of batman is something more than any one man that's a that that it's a symbol it's sort of a principle that gets said throughout the trilogy and so it makes sense that at the end of a person who's not bruce wayne is going to become batman it's a great ending to the story that chris Mm -hmm. nolan told you know i was deeply deeply honored and had a blast being in that movie chris nolan is an extraordinary filmmaker i was you know super happy to be in it but i i yeah i wouldn't necessarily say that you know doing more batman would be i don't know to me it was just a good ending yeah no that makes sense that makes sense it's almost if if you want to have a future batman film from that strange think about it yourself yeah. Write it down. Well, yeah. F- f- fanfic it out, and then we'll see what happens. No, but um, I love that idea. I I love the idea that movie watching is a creative process. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. think of creativity as like the domain of the artists, and then the audience. We are supposed to just sit and be the consumers. But I don't think that's really true. I think because the, the the truth is is that everybody who watches a movie or reads a novel or listens to a record or whatever, they are having their own creative process as mm-hmm. they ingest 
that media, that story, that feeling, they're the ones that are like making the meaning for themselves mm -hmm. of what it means to them. And mm -hmm. so I, I love what you just said, like really treating fandom, treating like audience ship, viewership as a creative process. I, I, I like that way of thinking about it. Definitely. Well, that kind of synergy is like the, the ethos of hit record, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. And thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Blending that line between who is the artist and who is the audience. And the truth is, I think that, and you know, I'm not a, an anthropologist or an archaeologist, but my understanding of the origins of human storytelling and art is actually quite different than what we experience today. You know, storytelling for the longest time, our ancestors would sit around a fire and tell stories. And it was a communal thing. It was a social thing. Everyone would chip in on the story. And, and it, was, it wasn't a thing where like one professional out of a million people got to stand up and tell a story and everyone else just shut up and listened. Like that's not, that's not I don't think, the most natural form of storytelling. Yeah. And, and so I, I like the idea that our pop culture is kind of moving back into the realm of storytelling being more of a communal thing. It doesn't always have to be one single artist with everyone else listening. And, you know, you mentioned fan fiction or like remix culture, like what we try to do on hit record collaborative media, all of that is moving in, in that direction, which I think is kind of the natural human way. Same with like music, you know, we've in the last few hundred years or something, music has become a thing where, most people consider themselves just listeners and we're like, oh no, I'm not a musician. I just listen and I leave it to the professionals to play. But music, if you go back a thousand years or 5,000 years or whatever, it was, it was much more of a communal thing. People would do it together. They would sing and dance together, or like bang on things together. It, was, it wasn't always such a, a stark contrast between the artist and the audience. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm always really interested in, in blurring those lines. After directing TV and working on things with, you know, hit record and things like that, do you have any, you know, are there any aspirations to get back into the director's chair for a film? Do you have any plans for that anytime soon? Yeah, for sure. I've, I've been working on that and, and spent a lot of time on a few different projects that just didn't quite come together. Uh -huh. But that's, you know, that's show business. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving doing this show right now. And, uh, and yeah, eventually we'd love to do another film. Absolutely, at some point. Don't know what it is. <laughs> at some point. You're a man of many genres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any... like, that's what keeps it interesting, is that variety, right? No, 100%, 100%. At the very least, you get to uh, test yourself. Or, like you said, just have some fun with uh, Jamie Foxx for, for you know a couple of months. <laughs> Are there any f filmmakers out there right now that particularly excite you? Let's see. I'm going to be honest. As a dad, I am out of touch. Um, but, uh, but let's see, I saw a movie recently, first time filmmaker, Japanese movie. Her name is Hikari and her film's called 37 seconds. Okay. I really highly recommend set in Tokyo about a, uh, a young woman who's, um, well, I don't want to spoil it, but just like a really rich textured character study and, a lot of style in the movie. I, I haven't spent a lot of time in, in Japan. I've spent a little time in Tokyo before and always wanted to go back. This film felt really different than the Tokyo I'd seen. It felt very different than like, I love Lost in Translation, but like 
felt like a different side of Tokyo than that. And I, I, I loved that movie. So I, I'm curious to see what, what she does next. Hikari is her name. Uh-huh. All right. So, so your, your diet is basically just like Peppa Pig and, and troll movies or, or <laughs> what do they have you watch? We are starting to watch stuff for a while. We didn't with my yeah. kid, but like, I, I, I like to be very involved in what they watch right now. Right now, my boys are into Gene Kelly. Oh, okay. Nice. And so, and I've been showing them kind of a variety of different dancing and tap dancing and like seeing some of the history that like Gene Kelly was influenced by showing him like uh, the Nicholas brothers mm-hmm. and then showing, and then like also there was a tribute that Gregory Hines did to Gene Kelly. So uh. like letting them see like, here's the progress, you know, this is, this man was influenced by these men and then this man was influenced by that man. And, and then, and getting to see, it was actually, it was really sweet. There's this video of, of Gene Kelly at the, uh, at the Kennedy Center Honors and Gregory Hines does a tribute to him and Gene Kelly's in the audience. Mm-hmm. And so get the, allowing the boys to see Gene Kelly when he's older yeah. in the audience, watch a younger man do some of his same moves. Like, I don't know, just like, these are the kinds of things I get a kick out of showing my kids, like seeing how art evolves in different generations and, and, and letting them also see like, and look, the, here's a man who, he was, he was a younger man and now you're getting to see him as an older man and you're growing up too, you know? Mm-hmm. You're, you used to be a baby and now you're, you're growing into a, you know, these are the kinds of things I, I enjoy um, when, uh, when showing them, showing them video. I I think like things like that are awesome as a dad. And I think they're important just as like a, especially like an older man, you know, passing down knowledge to the youth. And actually, you know, I mean, I think our time is almost done, but I do want to get into one thing uh, before we get out of here. The way Hollywood is right now, especially in a time, you know, with uh, I think the, the protests have kind of awakened the same thing that the Me Too movement has awakened, where people are really taking stock of their industry and their careers and, and how people of color and women and everything are, are, are being treated in these different facets of life. And I was wondering, you know, for someone like you, who you have had a huge career within Hollywood, and you're, you are making these steps to empower everyone to kind of tell their stories and lift their voices. But for the people who are wondering, what do you think, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, what is it, what do you say is necessary from you and people who look like you to help people in Hollywood change the Hollywood system to kind of get to where everyone wants it to go? Yeah, that that's such a good question. Something I, I think about a lot. Of course, I've been thinking about in the last few weeks, but I, I think about it all the time that how how lucky I am to get to have done what I did, what I've done so far. I absolutely think that has to do with being born male. I absolutely think it has to do with being born white, being mm-hmm. born straight, being born in Los Angeles, being born American. There's so many things that contributed to me getting to have the career that I've had. And there is, I think, a sort of a myth in Hollywood and also just in kind of our country and, and sort of, I don't know, Western civilization or capitalism, that there's a myth of a, a meritocracy, that if you have achieved a certain amount of success, it's because you deserve that success and because you, you worked hard for it. And look, I don't think that that's altogether untrue. I do. I mean, I have worked hard, sure, but I, I, I think it's also really important for people like me who have been fortunate enough to have success 
to not just pat ourselves on the back and say like, yeah, well, I worked hard for my success. I deserve every, all of my success. Mm. When, you, when you hear people say that, that to me feels counterproductive. And I think that goes for Hollywood as well as throughout kind of our whole world mm. is understanding that, yeah, you can work hard, but actually a lot of people work hard. And not everybody that has worked, I know plenty of people that work just as hard as me, or just as talented as me, who, who didn't get the outcomes that I got. Why? Well, that's because the world isn't fair. And, and it should be. And it, it, it gets me upset when I hear people saying things like, hey, it's equal opportunity. We live, you know, we live in a world where anybody, if you work hard, you can make it. And like, that is true to a degree. But I, I don't think it's in, I don't think it's entirely true. And 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 getting at that kind of myth of of perfect meritocracy, to me, that's one of the the central ideas that we need to kind of push at. And and that again, I I, I would I would be the first to say like, yeah, I I have been successful, but I don't think it was just because I worked hard or because I'm so skilled. Also, it had to do with advantages that I had. I think anybody that would claim that they achieved their success without some measure of luck, especially someone like me who was born with the advantages that I had, isn't being totally honest. That's, that's I think, one thing we need to just start being more honest about is what are the advantages of play and how do we, how do we work towards um, leveling that playing field so that, so that it, it, ideally we get to a place where it should be about how hard you work and it should be about what you as an individual bring to the table. But unfortunately, we're not all the way there yet and we have a lot of work to go before we are there. True, true. Well, well wise words, wise words from Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Thank you for dropping by Thank the Watch Less podcast again. Seven seven five zero zero. I know I said seventy five hundred earlier, but seven five zero zero. You can say it any way you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's Amazon Prime, June eighteenth. Definitely check it out. I think, um, and I've seen a lot of people saying this, they feel like it's one of your best performances. Oh, that's that's thus really far. Thanks, so, um, I think it's it was definitely it's definitely a high bar. I think after this, you gotta. It's either popcorn or you're swinging for the fences. But yeah, yeah. thank you, <laughs> thank you. Thanks a lot. Great talking to you. Hey. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate you. That was great. All right. Thanks, Thanks guys. for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Talk to you guys again, I hope. Take care. Yes, definitely. Fam, shouts out to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Was very eloquent. I, I, I like hearing him talk about the ideas that he's passionate about for a world where there are a lot of people who say things, but you don't really see the action. Joseph, someone who feels like he's He's, t- he's taken stock in himself and is wanting to apply the things he's learned and the things that he's wants the world to be, you know, as opposed to just, just sending a tweet or dropping a cameo in a black and white video with a bunch of other celebrities. No shots, no shade, but uh, boots to the pavement. You feel what I'm saying? I'm happy belated Father's Day to him. Happy belated birthday to him. Shouts out all the fathers out there. Shit, hope everybody had a happy Juneteenth. If you've not seen Miss Juneteenth yet, which also is, you can stream that on Amazon Prime Video, the, the great Nicole Bahari. There's an interview with her on the website where she talks about the film, the need for those stories to be told and all of that stuff. Watch less Apple Podcasts every Wednesday. If you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. 
honk your horns, let the people know that Watch Less is in the building. Comment, share, review, rate, whatever whatever you do on the podcast listening device that you like, do that shit to signal boost to let the people know that they need to rock with us as well. Frazier, any final thoughts? Anything you want to share? I mean, we didn't even get to talk to JGL about Looper. Yeah. I, That's how good the conversation was. We didn't even have time to indulge me on Looper's got, that, but it's fine. Looper's got a hive, right? Yeah. You got to be Looper Hive. Maybe in next time JGL has something going on. Hopefully well, when he comes a, back, he's got to come back for that action movie. I, facts. But I, I want to get to a time where we can do this in that room with the drum set up. And kind of yeah. just like travel to him and have, because you know, potting. You know, we, we're steady potting. We we're talking to a lot of really dope people. Check the archive. When we come out of this, I want to face to face with some of these people to get like that real experience, that real energy. We'll get there. Definitely been diluting a little bit, but I think yeah. we're keeping it up. Yeah, and and and, and again, having guests like uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, there's no way you can't have a, a dope conversation for Fraser Tharp. Miss Cal advising you as always. Man, look, wash your damn hands, use sanitizer, six feet, keep your mask on. That Rona is still out there, and I feel like there's a second wave. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Be a respectable goddamn human being out there in any situation you're in. It's not cool to be a dickhead anymore. Tune in and watch less. Peace. Peace. Watch Less is hosted by Fraser Tharp and myself, Cal. Our producer is Taliba Newman. Associate producer and sound engineer is Jasmine Plata. Production manager, Chancel Correa. Talent booker, Anthony Allred. Junior booker, Austin Bailey. Our director of talent relations is Kristen Price Harrell. And our senior director of operations is Jen Stewart. Watch Less is a part of the Complex Podcast Network. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,